Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Life insurance after 65, should you do it? Well, we've got three good reasons to consider it on today's show. Walter Strohold here with David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, serving you in Kansas City, based in Overland Park, of course. And you can check out past shows and more information about David online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, this is going to be a good one on the show today. I hope you're doing well. I am doing very well. Let's see. I don't care. I'm trying to think of how I can account for my time since last we spoke. <laughs> Played a couple of rounds of golf. And, nice. Um, Just enjoying this know. weather. The Just time. Living the year. dream. Continuing to live the dream. Nice. That's good. That's good. Uh, did you Did you score well in those rounds? One of them I did. Okay. Good. Good. That's all you need. You just need well, one. you know. We have a lot of, I'm sure we have a lot of golfers that listen to this thing. And, you know, boy, if I have, every time I play, I have 14 or 15 really good holes. But it's those rounds when you, when you only have one sort of bad hole or two sort of bad holes. And then you couple that with your good holes. And all of a sudden you come out with a good score and you're like, wow, why, why can't I do that all the time? Mm hmm. It's a very fickle game. Do you play, Walter? Okay. I don't remember. Not, not, a, not a ton, but a, a little bit here and there. Yeah. I, I would. Uh, you would certainly outclass me on a course. I, I, be, I, I belong on the cow pasture courses that have you know, converted cow pastures. That's, that's where I, I typically hang out for my golfing exploits. But yeah, Sounds like a fun way to play, actually. It is. It is pretty fun. Um, I, I like the driving ranges, though. I really enjoy just going and, and hitting the ball, trying all the different clubs. Um, I don't just use the driver. I like going to the driving range and then working all the way through the bag. I think that's pretty pretty fun to do. So. I'll usually start out with, you know, chipping a few and then work your way up through the irons and then, you know, blast a few with the driver when you're kind of warmed up enough. And then when you start to get a little tired, you know, kind of work your way back down a little bit. So nice. What I like to do. You ought to write a blog on that, Walter. Oh, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Uh, I I, I don't know what wisdom I could impart uh, from from that (laughs) other than. I bet you'd make it entertaining. It helps my hands a little bit, I guess. Because, you know, if you just wail away with the driver the entire time, by the end of that bucket of balls, you're getting pretty worn out. So. You might be bleeding from someplace. Yeah, go, go, going up the ladder and then back down a little bit seems to save a little bit on the uh, on the body. So I need to try. That's actually one thing I like about going to a Top Golf. I was going to ask is if you've that been they have to one the of various those. targets, yeah. so you're not always just banging away at a driver or mm-hmm. or hitting flip wedges. But you have different. You can you can think up a bunch of different games to go play. But that's pretty fun. That's a pretty fun outing. I've not been to one yet, but it is definitely on my list to try one out. The Top Golf or Drive Shack, or you know, I guess there's a few different franchises. But yeah, need to need to explore that, and I'm sure it's fun with a, to go with a group. I'm guessing for sure. Yeah, cool. It's like bowling. It's like the style of bowling, but with golf, right? Like the atmosphere of bowling, but with golf. Yeah, and it's easier to play Top Golf with a beer in your hand than if you're actually um, playing on, on real golf, which. Yeah. <laughs> That's never worked for me playing real golf. Yeah, and you can kind of do nighttime stuff at a Top Golf, right? Most of them. Yeah, that under the lights. Yeah, under the lights, which is a neat thing. I did play once under the lights on. Um, it was called Knights Play. Um, so kind of like a, a, but it was like night, like like olden days, you know, armor night. But also they were known for having nighttime golf, and it was always pretty fun. It was a par three course, but that was kind of a fun thing to do a couple times. Man, you got quite a. Quite a jaded history here, Walter. 
yeah, all over the place. Um, <laughs> much like my golf game, all over the place. Gosh, golf at <laughs> night and everything. Yeah, it's pretty. Is is that like taboo playing golf? At no, night? no, no. It's just very eclectic. Oh yes, yes. That would definitely be the way to describe my game for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, let's get into today's conversation, David. I love it. Good things come in three, and you've got three good reasons why we should consider life insurance after 65. So uh, let's dive in. Lay it on us. Why? What's number one? So just as kind of a of a lead and everybody everybody gets it when you're young, there are really good reasons to have life insurance and super cheap uh, term life insurance is my favorite because if you got, you know, one spouse dies, you got a mortgage, you get college education expenses for your kids and you got living expenses for a long time. But usually those things are pretty well taken care of by the time you're in your 60s. And maybe you're retired and you say, well, thank goodness, I don't need any of that anymore. And in a lot of cases, that's correct. But I just want to go through three situations that I've seen amongst my client base where there are these are really good reasons for certain people to own life insurance after they're retired. So one is um, the first one I'm going to throw out is income replacement. And what I mean by that is I have several clients who they have a pension. And when they took that pension, anybody that's taken a pension knows that in the vast majority of cases, you get a chance to say, I want it just based on my life, or I want it to continue to pay until both my spouse and I are gone. Or, you know, there's usually four or five other different options. But if you choose to do it on just your own life, well, you get more money, which makes total sense because the pension company, the insurance company that underwrites that realizes that it's it's much easier than predict how long they're going to have to pay that out if they're only talking about one life. But all of a sudden, with two lives, they're going to give you less money each month. But it, it's great benefit if you die early and your spouse isn't left with zero. The, the income replacement component here is this. If you choose, and I have clients that, that have done this, they choose to take the pension on just their own life, betting that they're likely to live as long or longer than their spouse. But just in case they don't, they put, a, they, they put a little insurance policy around it, purchased separately, which says, if I die prematurely, my spouse is gonna get this big lump sum, which will help replace the pension which he or she will lose because of my death. I've also heard it described, well, what if Social Security is it important to that particular couple? And once one spouse dies, well, the other spouse, you only get one of the two social securities. That one I'm not a big fan of because who are you going to insure? Uh, especially if the social securities are about the same and insuring both would be very expensive. But in the case of a pension, you're insuring one life. And frankly, after you get to be 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, depending on the type of insurance you bought, it can be getting really expensive at that point. And maybe you just drop it because at that point, you've both pretty much reached your life expectancy. Depending on the assets you've been able to maintain over those years, maybe the assets that you still have at age 83, 84, 85 are enough to carry that other spouse forward. So at that point you say, well, the life insurance I bought at 65 I've been paying for for 16 or 18 years. Now we don't need it anymore because I've lived long enough. So once you start down that path, there's nothing 
that says you can't unplug from it once your need for that life insurance is gone. But anyway, that's that's one really good reason, your choice of a pension as to uh, why some couple might need life insurance after 65. So first reason, income replacement, income replacement. All right, what about number two? Well, long-term care can be a, a long-term care policy. First of all, there are a lot of insurance companies that have stopped even issuing them. When you can find one, they can be very, very expensive. But there's a way to use a life insurance policy as a long-term care benefit. And that's if you buy one that allows you to accelerate the death benefit. So I have a number of clients that have done this. There are two different ways to go about this. One would be a permanent life insurance policy. One would be kind of, a, in fact, the, the, the one that I've used most often is called a money guard a policy. It basically guards your, your net worth against needing big amounts of money in, uh, for long-term care. So the, what, the reason I like this as a way to cover long-term potential long-term care expenses is, well, you don't know if you're going to need long-term care expenses. So if this isn't used, when you die, the spouse gets an actual tax-free death benefit. So it's not use it or lose it like a long-term care policy is. This is a life policy that you can use for long-term care uh, if you get into that situation. Benefits are typically paid, paid out over five years, for instance. Certain benefits, especially in that money guard policy, can be indexed to inflation, which I think is super important uh, based on how this section of our economy does have higher inflation than, than the rest of it, healthcare does. Um, and then they're usually triggered when you can't do two of the uh, six activities of daily living. If you Google the six ADLs or six activities of daily living, you'll get a hundred pop-ups that will tell you exactly what those are. But once a doctor assesses you and says you can't do two of those six, maybe you can't feed yourself, maybe you can't bathe, maybe you, you, you can't get out of bed in the morning or transfer to different types of seating or things like that. Those are all activities of daily living. And once you can't do two, then you qualify for a long-term care policy. You also qualify for uh, one of these accelerated death benefits. So the death benefit, when it's accelerated, comes to your household tax-free in the vast majority of cases. I can't think of one, but you know nothing's absolute. But I can't think of a time when it wouldn't be tax-free. So there are a lot of benefits if you're worried about needing long-term care, but you don't want to buy a use it or lose it policy. Look into one of these types of ways to accelerate a death benefit with a permanent life insurance policy. I like it. That's another great reason for life insurance after age 65, long-term care. And uh, that issue is definitely a big one in the retirement planning space and why you should have your eye on it if you are entering into that phase of life and uh, some good solutions for you there. So we've so far got income replacement, long-term care as option number two or reason number two for life insurance after 65. How about number three? Well, the third one would be having enough liquidity to pay estate taxes. And you might say, well, Dave, last time I checked, the estate tax exemption was, if I die with more than 12 million, then I owe estate tax on above that. But my spouse also gets 12 million. So really it's an estate of over $24 million. And that gets rid of a whole lot of Americans who are never ever gonna have to pay estate taxes. And that's basically true, except that the estate tax limit is subject to change. So 
unless Congress does something to change this, in January of 26, that number goes down. It reverts to where it was before the Trump tax cuts took effect. So instead of 12 million per spouse, it goes down to 5 million per spouse. Now, all of a sudden, if your state is over 10 million bucks, well, you then are subject, your heirs are going to be subject to a state tax. Ah, is that really devastating, Dave? Well, I don't know. It depends on your view of, of taxes, but anything over, the, the, the estate tax goes up pretty fast. So it's 40% of any amount over a million bucks. So you've got your, you know, after 2026, you've got your 10 million exemption plus 1 million is, is 11. Everything over 11 million is taxed at 40%. So let's just say that you have a bunch of real estate holdings or maybe a privately held business. And it's done, those things have done really well over the years and they've just grown and grown and grown. When you die and somebody inherits those things, it's likely that they would owe a big tax bill. Well, you're not likely to sell 15% of your privately held business or you might not want to sell one of your apartment buildings because you need liquidity for taxes. So this type of use of a permanent life insurance policy is a super efficient way to pay for those estate taxes that your heirs might own. You won't benefit, but your estate will. And so if you find yourself having done really well over the years, you find yourself in a situation where you think you might be over 10 million, if you die later than January of 2026, might be something worth looking into to make sure you get uh, something that would provide tax-free liquidity, a tax-free lump sum that would help to pay those estate taxes. So I'm curious, David, so we got income replacement, long-term care, and estate tax liquidity. Those are your three good reasons for why you would want to consider life insurance after 65. When you walk through the planning process with people, can you give me any sort of idea of just like, how often do you end up evaluating these reasons and then having someone over 65 getting life insurance? How common is that to then eventually implement into a plan? So that's a, that's a super question. It doesn't happen all that often. And that's because, I think it's because life insurance is viewed as an expense. Whereas if you look at it in these ways, it could also be viewed as a tight, loosely as, a, as an investment. Now, regulators hate it when you talk about that. But if it was only an expense, then, then there wouldn't be a reason to do it. If there's a reason. So, for instance, I do have a couple of clients who did choose their pension for them only. And they bought a life insurance policy. I have others who chose it as single and said, ah, I think it'll all work out. Well, hopefully that was before they met me, but hopefully they've made a an informed decision at the time, here's how much that life insurance policy will cost me versus the extra amount I'm getting from my pension plan by taking it single. And we, as a couple, are good with that trade-off. I have other couples on the long-term care piece who say, well, we're worried, but we're not that worried after they see what it would cost them whether they're going with a long-term care policy or whether they're going with an accelerated death benefit on a life insurance policy. For me, it all comes down to dollars and cents and what, how much you want to spend of your resources to take risk off the table. And if you can spend a little bit of money to give yourself a super sense of well-being, then a lot of times that's worth it. 
checking it out doesn't obligate you to doing anything. But not checking it out, you know, you might have said, wow, well, if I knew it was that reasonable, I'd have done it. Well, by the time you're in your 70s or you have some event in your life, heart attack, high blood pressure, a little bit of cancer, whatever, nobody's going to insure you. No company is going to write this policy for you. So you have to do it when you're insurable. And that usually has to do with, it always has to do with health, but a lot of it has to do with age as well. So right around retirement age is the time you would want to start looking into these things, not when you're in your mid-70s getting worried about needing long-term care. That's a good breakdown. Thank you for that, David. So there you have it. The good reasons for why to consider life insurance after 65. And the message clear, hopefully, on today's show, we're not saying go get life insurance if you're over 65. These are just good reasons to evaluate it and consider it as part of your plan. So that's fantastic. Uh, If you need some help doing that evaluation, well, that's all part of the complete planning review that David takes clients through, making sure that every stone is overturned and looked under in your financial plan and that you've got a great outlook for your future. Uh, planning situations into retirement, uh, thinking about legacy planning, or if you're just not even sure when can we retire, you know, picking out that date. When's it gonna, when are we going to be comfortable enough to do that? Can we cover all of our expenses? Can we replace that income? All these big questions uh, is what David helps answer through the planning process. And so if you want to get in touch with him, you can pick up the phone. Give him a call, 913-317-1414 is the number. 913-317-1414 or go online to coveryourassetskc.com that's coveryourassetskc.com link and contact info in the description of today's show David this was a fun one thank you so much for your help walking through this and I can't wait for next episode with you well I can't wait either Walter you enjoy your week and we'll do. do this all again next week yeah sounds good new episodes every Thursday so come back and join us for the next one right back here on Cover Your Assets KC Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.